this morning we are going to be going back in time a little bit. We've uh, jumped ahead the past couple of weeks as we've been looking at the story of Palm Sunday, Good Friday, and Easter. And now we're going to go back and take a look at some of the powerful uh, stories of Christ's ministry just prior to Palm Sunday. There's a few highlights I didn't want us to miss. And so we're going to be going back to Luke chapter 18 this morning. Three weeks ago, one of the most brilliant men in the history of the world passed away, a guy by the name of Stephen Hawking. You may recognize him from his picture here on the screen. Stephen Hawking was uh, riddled with the disease ALS, Lou Gehrig's disease. And for the latter half of his life, he was confined to a wheelchair. His speech was uh, limited as his, uh, as his uh, life went on. But uh, he was still recognized worldwide as being one of the most brilliant astrophysicists and cosmologists uh, our world has ever known. Uh, He wrote uh, a book called A Brief History of Time, which is to this very day one of the best-selling science books in the world. And uh, Stephen Hawking had an incredible influence in the scientific community. He focused his work on the study of black holes, uh, the theory of general relativity. Uh, This guy made just profound insights that have uh, had huge implications for our view of space and time. And, And yet, what I find interesting about Stephen Hawking is in spite of all of his brilliance, in spite of his clear vision through which he was able to peer out into the vastness of the cosmos, Stephen Hawking failed to recognize the reality of our creator God. In spite of his great intellect and everything he saw in the observable evidence of the cosmos, Stephen Hawking was a committed atheist. In fact, in some of his writings, he often ridiculed Christianity as just being wishful thinking being a, a, a fairy tale-like belief. And yet what I find interesting is Stephen Hawking failed to recognize the, the vast leaps of faith in his own worldview. You see, Stephen Hawking, like many scientists in our world today, recognized that the universe exploded into existence and had a beginning at some finite point in the past. That at one time there was nothing, and out of nothing everything came into being. But the problem for Stephen Hawking is... Uh, as many other atheists, is that he never had an explanation for how that could take place. He was blind to the huge leaps of faith in his own worldview that somehow we have to believe by faith that everything came from nothing. Stephen Hawking's ultimate answer was, well, we know the laws of physics exist, and because the laws of physics exist, somehow the universe came into being. But friends, if you understand the problem there, It just pushes the issue back one more step. Where did the laws of physics come from? And not only that, but Stephen Hawking went on to explain that, well, we know things like gravity, and because we have laws like gravity, gravity can explain the origins of the universe. But you've got to understand, friends, laws of physics like gravity only explain how things work. They don't have any creative power on their own. For example, the law of gravity can help me understand today how the airplane I'm going to fly to Oregon works, but the law of gravity can't build that airplane. And so Stephen Hawking embraced these tremendous leaps of faith in his atheistic worldview to explain the origin of the universe. Here was a man with keen intellect, with perfect sight, and yet he failed to see the reality of our creator God. Well, today, friends, we're going to look at a story of another blind man. But the blind man we're going to encounter today, while he was physically blind, what we're going to find is he saw spiritual realities very clearly. 
In fact, he saw the spiritual reality of who Jesus was more clearly than anyone else around him on this particular day. The passage we're going to be in is Luke chapter 18, verses 35 through 43, and we're going to find the story of a blind man. We don't hear his name here in Luke's account, but in Mark's account, we're told his name. His name is Bartimaeus. Bartimaeus. As Jesus approached Jericho, a blind man was sitting by the roadside begging. When he heard the crowd going by, he asked what was happening. They told him, Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. So he called out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Those who led the way rebuked him and told him to be quiet. But he shouted all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stopped and ordered the man to be brought to him. When he came near, Jesus asked him, what do you want me to do for you? Lord, I want to see. Jesus said to him, receive your sight. Your faith has healed you. Immediately, he received his sight and followed Jesus, praising God. When all the people saw it, they also praised God. I love this story. It's one of my favorite passages in the Gospels. In fact, I can remember as a young preacher, this was actually one of the very first passages I ever preached on when I was a student ministries pastor at Bethel University. But there are some lessons that we can learn from the example of this blind man, Bartimaeus, this morning. And today what I want to do is I want to focus on three key lessons from the story of blind Bartimaeus. Lessons that I believe can really inspire us in our own walk of faith with Christ. The first thing that we notice in the story of blind Bartimaeus, number one, lesson number one, he was blind, but he beheld the sun. He was blind, but he beheld the sun. What's fascinating to me about this whole story is here you have this blind beggar sitting on the side of the road. Really, in that society, the lowest of the low. I mean, the only lower you would get would be to be a leper in that world. And here's blind Bartimaeus begging for, for scraps of food, begging for some kind of financial means. And he hears the hubbub of the crowd passing by. I mean, a big crowd. And he starts asking his friends and the people on the street, who's this? What's going on? What's happening? And the crowd says, Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. Now, what's really fascinating about this whole story is, is, is to the crowd, it was just Jesus of Nazareth passing by. But you see, Bartimaeus, he saw more clearly than the entire crowd there at Jericho that day. While the crowd saw only Jesus of Nazareth, Bartimaeus saw the son of David, the Messiah, the Savior of the world. The title, Son of David, that Bartimaeus uses to cry out to Jesus here. By the way, this is the first time in all of Luke's gospel where anyone besides Jesus acknowledges Jesus with this title. The son of David is, uh, is actually a messianic title that goes back about a thousand years in the Old Testament. In the book of Samuel, 2 Samuel chapter 7, God told the prophet Samuel a prophecy for David that God was going to establish David's throne and that the throne of David would reign forever and ever. 2 Samuel seven sixteen, your house and your kingdom will endure forever before me, your throne will be established forever. 
And so ever since the time of the Babylonian and Assyrian exiles, after the Jews had returned to the land of Israel, the people were waiting expectantly for the arrival of this Messiah figure, this son of David, the one who would restore Israel to its rightful place. He would restore the throne. He would rule justly. They would rule over the nations. They were awaiting the arrival of the Messiah, the son of David. And here is blind Bartimaeus acknowledging that the one who everyone else saw as Jesus of Nazareth is really the long-awaited Messiah, the son of David, the Savior. Now, it's really fascinating to think about this. How did Bartimaeus know who Jesus was? You know, we don't get the backstory on Bartimaeus' life. We don't know how he came to this conclusion. Was Bartimaeus always blind? Maybe Bartimaeus lost his sight later in life. And so maybe in his early period, he, he had spent time studying the word of God. He had seen the prophecies in the Old Testament. He had come to believe that a Messiah would come. Or, or maybe someone else told Bartimaeus the story of the Messiah and shared with him the truths of the scriptures. Maybe his parents long ago gave him this longing, this expectation. Or maybe Bartimaeus had just heard the rumors about Jesus. You know, as he sat there day after day on the side of the road begging, he had begun to hear the stories of travelers telling of these wondrous miracles, this incredible teacher in Galilee. And Bartimaeus had hope that maybe he really was the Messiah, the son of David. Maybe Bartimaeus had heard about Jesus' original sermon in his hometown of Nazareth, where Jesus preached out of Isaiah 61. And Jesus shared in Luke chapter 4, The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to release the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Maybe Bartimaeus had heard the news of Jesus Christ and was waiting and longing for a chance. What if he comes through Jericho? What if I could just cry out to him? Maybe he truly is the one that we've been waiting for, the son of David, the savior of the world. Friends, whatever the case, Bartimaeus recognized that Jesus was no ordinary man. He saw the truth very clearly, that here in his presence was the son of David. Sadly, though, most people in our world today are more like the crowd that day in Jericho than they're like Bartimaeus. Most people in our world today are blind to the truth of who Jesus is. Like Stephen Hawking I shared about earlier, the evidence is all around us for anyone with eyes to see. But so many people today refuse to accept it or they simply don't care to look. And so they miss out on the reality of who Jesus is. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4, the Apostle Paul tells us that the God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. Friends, that's the, that's the work of the enemy. He blinds people to the truth. He blinds people to God's revelation, both in, in general revelation and creation and, and God's special revelation in the word and his re revelation through Jesus. Satan blinds people's minds to the power of the gospel and they miss out on the, the joy of knowing God and having a relationship with him. I'll tell you, it was really interesting this past week preaching on Easter Sunday morning. 
I don't, I don't know if you noticed this, but Pastor Rick had hogged Easter Sunday from, for me for the last eight years. <laughs> Wouldn't ever give me a chance. So, so this was actually my first Sunday to ever preach on Easter. And uh, it was a really interesting experience for me. Because, you know, Easter Sunday is one of those weeks where we have more visitors than any other time during the year, Easter and Christmas. And, and we had just under 1,000 people here on Easter Sunday. And there were a lot of people I didn't recognize, a lot of visitors. And, and it was very interesting as I preached on the resurrection of Jesus Christ last week and the evidence for the resurrection of Jesus Christ. The, the reactions in the crowd were very fascinating. There were some people who I saw out there who looked like they were totally disinterested. I mean, honestly, I remember I'm, there, was one, there was one young woman here who literally looked like she would have rather been anywhere else throughout my whole message. And I was like, man, I'm no Billy Graham, but I can't be that bad. You know? <laughs> and, and then there were other people who I wondered, you know, as I was greeting people on the door, at the door on the way out, I, I wondered, am I going to see these people again? There were people I knew who were visitors and people even I recognized from our community and even people who I remember seeing on Christmas Eve. And I just wondered, you know, Lord, did today make any impact at all on these folks? But then there were others. There were others who heard the message of the resurrection and, and the histor- historical reality of that, who, whose lives were impacted. And they saw Jesus for who he truly is. It was interesting to me. I I had probably more positive feedback from many of you about that message on the resurrection than I've had on a lot of other messages I've preached here over the years. One young man in particular, he was home visiting his folks from college. He emailed me Sunday night. He said, Jason, I've been struggling with my faith since I left for college. He said, here at the university, everything we get is evolution, it's atheism, it's, it's what about all the other religions, how could a loving God send people to hell? And he just said, I, I need to be honest with you, Jason, I was really given up on faith. But he said, you know what, your message on the resurrection inspired me this morning. He says, I can't get over the evidence. I can't explain how the movement of the Christian church began any other way than the fact that this was historically true, that this happened. And I shared with this young man, I was so excited to hear from him. We, we ended up talking Wednesday night during Awana. We were on the phone together for an hour. He's, a, he's in many states away at the university. And I said to this young man, I said, you know, if the resurrection is true, I said, that changes everything. I said, if, if Jesus truly rose from the grave, then that means he really was who he claimed to be, the Messiah, the Son of God. And if Jesus really was God in human flesh, what does that mean? That means that everything he said is true and we can trust him. And it means that when Jesus quotes the Bible as the authoritative word of God, that means we too can have confidence that the words of scripture are authoritative and true. And not only that, but it also proves that there is a God who created this universe because he came and he made himself known to us. And he verified that by conquering the grave. You see, the resurrection of Jesus changes everything. And friends, there is nothing more exciting than when someone sees Jesus for who he truly is. But sadly today, most people simply see Jesus of Nazareth. They don't see Jesus, the son of David, the Messiah. 
Friends, when you examine scripture, when you look at the evidence, when you study Christ's impact on history, you'll quickly discover that Jesus is unlike any other figure in the history of religions throughout the history of the world. As that renowned historian William Lecky once observed, and I quote, the simple record of three short years of Christ's active life has done more to regenerate mankind than any other influence that has ever been felt on earth. Jesus has transformed history like unlike anyone else. You see, blind Bartimaeus may not have had physical sight, but he beheld the son of David with perfect vision. And his confidence in Jesus as the Messiah encouraged him to cry out in faith. So I ask you this morning, who is Jesus to you today? Are you part of the crowd this morning seeing only Jesus of Nazareth? Or do you know Jesus for who he truly is? The son of David, the savior of the world. Who do you say he is? The second lesson we see in our passage this morning in verse 39, Bartimaeus was bullied, but he was bold in hope. He was bullied, but he was bold in hope. It's really fascinating in the story. Bartimaeus, sitting on the roadside, finds out that Jesus is passing by the son of David. And Bartimaeus cries out to Jesus in hope, believing that he truly was the Messiah. Now, friends, you would think that this would have been a wonderful thing. You would think that the crowd would have applauded Bartimaeus. Oh, man, look at that great. Look at this guy's faith. Way to go, Bartimaeus. Uh Uh-uh. What'd the crowd do? The crowd resisted the cries of Bartimaeus. Shut your mouth, you stupid beggar. Keep it down. For Pete's sake, you're ruining our parade here, man. The crowd resisted the cries of Bartimaeus. Now, I want you to hear me this morning, friends. Some of you are going to experience this passage. And some of you are going to experience the downside of this passage. For some of you, verse 39 is going to get right up in your face. And you see, here's how it works. Whenever you're in a position where you need to cry out to Jesus when you need to experience his power in your life or a fresh touch from the Lord, friends, you better believe you're going to face resistance. And that resistance can take many different shapes. For Bartimaeus, it was the crowd. But what's really crucial to understand this morning is the source of that resistance. In John 10.10, Jesus tells us that the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. You see, you need to understand very clearly this morning, this is Satan's agenda for your life. He wants to steal your joy. He wants to kill your hope. He wants to destroy your soul. That's his whole purpose for existence, to steal and kill and destroy. And friends, Satan wants to keep you from experiencing God's power in your life. And so he tries to put up any resistance he can between us and God. And while the enemy's resistance can take many forms, friends, do you want to know this morning the most common? Do you want to know the most likely form of resistance that you're going to face? It's going to be a quiet whisper in your ear. 
What will people think? What will people think? What will people think if they hear I've been laid off? What will people think if they find out our marriage is struggling? What will people think if they hear our daughter's living in rebellion? What will people think if they find out about my addiction? Friends, Satan loves this stuff. Some of Satan's greatest weapons in keeping you from experiencing God's power in your life are secrecy and shame. He uses it to bully people every single day. I heard of a woman this past week here at our church. A mutual friend had come to me and shared with me that she's been going through some struggles in her life. Her family has been dealing with a lot of hardships. And she had shared with this friend that she just didn't really know where to turn for help. And our mutual friend had asked her, well, had you, had you shared these struggles with your ABF? Had you asked your friends in your ABF to pray for you? You know what she said? She said she didn't feel comfortable because she didn't want to bother people with her problems. Friends, that's the lies of Satan at work. If you can't go to your brothers and sisters in Christ for encouragement, for prayer, for support, then what's the point of even being here? But Satan had lied to her, secrecy and shame. I talked to another brother a while back. He came to me recently asking for help. He had been laid off from his job. And he wanted some prayer, and he was in need of some financial support. Now, friends, this guy's a man's man. He's a tough guy, and he's proud, and he's a hard worker. And as he sat in my office asking for help, tears were running down his cheeks. He said to me, Jason, I had literally thought about killing myself rather than coming in and asking for help. Friends, that's what Satan does. That's the kind of resistance you'll face. He whispers in our ear lies of secrecy and shame to beat us up to bully us, and to keep us from experiencing God's power in our lives. And you better believe it this morning, whenever you cry out to Jesus, you're going to face resistance. Because we have a spiritual adversary whose primary goal is to keep you from experiencing the transforming power of Jesus. But in our passage this morning, Bartimaeus shows us the key to overcoming the enemy's resistance. Look at the second half of verse 39. What does Bartimaeus do? but he shouted all the more. Hey, shut your mouth, you stupid beggar. No, you shut your mouth. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. He cries out even louder. In the face of resistance, Bartimaeus responds with persistence. He refused to give up. He would not stay quiet. He may have been bullied, but he was bold in hope. And remember, friends, why was Bartimaeus so bold? What was the source of his hope? He was bold in hope because he knew the one he was crying out to. Jesus, the son of David, the Messiah. Friends, when the trials of life come, you can either listen to the voice of resistance or you can trust the source of persistence. You can either focus on the crowd or on the crown. 
Bartimaeus put his hope in the crown, in King Jesus. And so no matter the resistance he faced, he persisted with a bold hope because he beheld the Son of God. He had a vision of the Savior. Let me encourage you this morning. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Friends, keep your eyes on Jesus. No matter your trial, no matter the resistance you might face, no matter how daunting the challenge in front of you seems today, remember the source of your hope. The king of the universe loves you. Cry out to Jesus. The third lesson we see in our passage this morning, Bartimaeus was broken, but he was blessed by faith. He was broken, but he was blessed by faith. Here in this third lesson, we see the fruit of Bartimaeus' hope in Jesus Christ. He persists through the resistance. He cries out to Jesus. And now here in verse 40, we find two of the sweetest words in all of Scripture. Jesus stopped. Jesus stopped. I don't know if you remember this, but this is the second time we've encountered these words in the book of Luke. Remember a few weeks ago, we looked at the passage of the ten lepers. Jesus stopped for those guys too. What a beautiful glimpse into the heart of our Savior. Friends, don't ever doubt it. Jesus hears the cries of desperate people. And Jesus stops when we cry out in faith. Isn't that good news this morning? I'll tell you something. If you're a visitor here today, this is your first time here at Lakes Free, I want you to know this is what Lakes Free Church is all about. This is what this church is all about. Broken, needy, desperate people who recognize they have no other hope than Jesus Christ. And I'll tell you something, friends. This room this morning is filled with people. We could be here for days sharing stories about how Jesus stopped for each of us. That's the God we serve. Church, let's not ever forget it. The moment we forget and lose sight of who we are apart from Jesus Christ, this place is done. We're here only by the grace of God because Jesus stopped for a bunch of desperate sinners. And so Jesus stopped, and now he asked Bartimaeus a question. What do you want me to do for you? If Jesus were here this morning and he pulled up a seat right next to you and asked you that same question. What would you say? Where do you need a fresh touch from the Lord this morning? I love Bartimaeus's answer here. He was just totally honest about his need. He said, Lord, you see these things here? They don't work. And I want to see. In verse 42, Jesus responds to the faith of Bartimaeus. And he says, receive your sight. Your faith has healed you. And immediately, Bartimaeus can see. And what an incredible moment that must have been. To open his eyes and see the blue sky. To see the birds flying. To see the shocked faces of the people who just moments earlier had been ridiculing him. Now staring in wonderment. But I want you to notice something here, friends. There's another miracle that took place besides the restoration of Bartimaeus' vision. 
You see the Greek word for healed that Jesus uses here. The word is sozo. The word for healed that Jesus uses also is the very same word for saved. In other words, Jesus is declaring to Bartimaeus that his faith has not only brought restoration to his sight, but to his relationship with God. You see, friends, that's what faith does. Faith in Jesus brings restoration. Luke tells us in verse 43 that Bartimaeus went on to follow Jesus, praising him for the new life he had been given. In fact, Bartimaeus was very likely part of that great procession on Palm Sunday, praising Jesus as he entered in Jerusalem. It's very likely that Bartimaeus was there witnessing the events of Passion Week. It's very likely Bartimaeus was there to see Jesus in the early days after the resurrection. In fact, it was very interesting to me, some scholars even believe that the reason Mark records Bartimaeus' name in his gospel is because Bartimaeus went on to become a stalwart in the early church in Jerusalem. You see, friends, Jesus changed everything for Bartimaeus. His vision, his position, his mission. And he can do the same for you. Jesus says in John 8, 12, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Friends, the light of the sun changes everything. Are you walking in the light of the sun this morning? You see, the ultimate promise that we find here in the story of Bartimaeus is that no matter who we are, no matter how broken or desperate we may be, when we trust in the Son of God by faith, we will experience the blessing of restoration. That restoration may not always come in the form of a physical miracle. Sometimes it does. But I promise you, friends, that restoration always comes in the form of a relational miracle. The greatest miracle of all, the blessing of knowing God and walking in a right relationship with him. Would you join me in a word of prayer? Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for this powerful story that we have here about Bartimaeus. And we thank you for his faith, Lord. We thank you for the inspiration that he is to each of us here this morning, that in our need and our desperation, we have a Savior who we can cry out to with hope because we know that you care about broken, needy, desperate people. We thank you, Jesus, that we serve a God who stops for hurting people. And Lord, I just pray that if there's anybody here this morning who needs to encounter you in a, in a special way, somebody who needs a fresh touch from Jesus this morning, Lord, I pray that you would come very close to them, that you would speak truth into their life this morning, that you would remind them of who they are in you and your love for them. The king of the universe loves them. Remind us all of that powerful truth this morning. And Jesus, we pray that when the resistance comes, when the enemy comes whispering his lies, that we would reject those lies in the name of Jesus and that we would cry out boldly in confidence knowing that we serve the risen King, the Savior of the world. Lord, if there's somebody here this morning who hasn't ever embraced a relationship with you, who hasn't put their trust in you, who hasn't experienced the restoration that comes through faith in Jesus I pray that even maybe this morning they might do that. That they might leave here today transformed just like Bartimaeus 
transformed by an encounter with the living God. Friends, if you want to put your trust in Jesus, it's a simple matter of praying, Lord, I know I'm a sinner. I believe that you died for my sins, and I put my trust in you today, Jesus. God, let me be like Bartimaeus. I want to follow you in a new relationship, a living relationship, a thriving relationship with my creator. Friends, God can restore you and he can change you too because he's the God who brings sight to the blind and restoration to the broken. We thank you, Jesus, for your faithfulness. In your name we pray, amen. I leave you with these words this morning from Numbers chapter six. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and the Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. Amen.